Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm David Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC is live from Orlando this weekend for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland in a fun welterweight clash. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you a underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. In addition to that, we will also be giving you guys the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is Marcelo Rojo, who is getting ready for his fight at UFC Orlando against Francis Marshall. And a little bit later on in the show, we will have downtown TJ Brown, who's getting ready to fight at UFC 282. That's, of course, next week. Now, before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by the Picket Social Betting Platform. Picket is the place where you can sync all of the action from every sportsbook account that you use in one nice, neat little place so that you can keep track of what you're doing a little bit better. Not only that, but you can stay up to date on all the bets that your friends are dropping and show off your big scores. It's a great place to build a following if you're an up-and-comer in the sports betting world, or hey, maybe you're an established veteran who's just trying to expand your audience. There's so many cool features, so many things you're going to love, so whether you're new, experienced, or hey, just somewhere in between, stop what you're doing right now, join the Picket community today by downloading the Picket app on the Google Play Store or on the App Store. Picket brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Marcelo Rojo, who fights Francis Marshall at UFC Orlando. That fight is on December 3rd. So, Marcelo, I wanted to start here. I saw on your social media that you've been training with James Krause and Brandon Moreno over at Glory. I know originally you had been training down at Entram along with Moreno. What sort of caused you to move to Glory, and is this a, a permanent move? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh... You know, as an MMA fighter, you need to uh, start growing and, and keep learning from from everything you can. So I think my 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 stage at Entram, uh, I finished I finished that. It was an amazing six years, and then uh, with with Brandon, uh, which is uh, I'm part of his team, uh, he told me and and we say, hey, maybe we need to start training another another place, and we start looking for options. And then uh, we talked to James uh, and came here to Kansas City, actually Lee Summit, to to try it out. And we actually love it. Like, I mean, James is a, a great coach, and you see him in in the mat with us. He's training with us. He's par with us. So I mean, and then uh, uh, we train personally with him, like once a week for sure. We, we train with him personally. I mean, this is it's amazing for us. It was a good decision to make. Well, that's awesome to hear. I've heard a lot of people say that there are different things that they like about James Krause when they start working with him on the training side of things. Is there something in particular about how he trains or what he trains with you that really works with the way that you like to train? Oh, yes, of course. 
I mean, I understand. I start uh, understanding the the level of of MMA here with James because uh, we actually were like soldiers. I was just only training hard, like training like a madman, like three to four times a day, but not knowing to understand the the complete game of MMA. But here with James, uh, we touched different 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 things. Uh, he actually uh, proposed me to move up a weight class and. and he got his notebook and say, look, this is your fight at 35. This is your fight at 45. And then uh, he made me do a, a, a psychological test. So so he can teach me the way I'm, I'm supposed to learn. And that was amazing. I never feel like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, that was one of the main reasons. Like, okay, what? A psychological test? And he explained to me that, yeah, because there are different types of athletes and there are different types of learners. Uh, I'm going to teach you some ways that, uh, for example, uh, my friend Masio is different from me. So he, he needs to teach him different ways. And then the way he understands the game, like uh, every time we we sit, every Monday we sit after after class to talk about the matches of of, of Saturday and then about the, the judges' decisions and, and try to, to, to fill the holes in, in the game. Like, it's, it's really another level of, of, of training for me. Hmm. I, I love hearing that. I love hearing that. So this, this is a permanent camp move, too. Does that mean also that you, you are now living in the United States permanently? Is, is that something that you're planning on doing? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I moved from Tijuana to Vegas. Uh, like in January, in January from, of this year, and we've been training, uh, coming and going here to Kansas. The idea to 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 live uh, to be in Vegas is because we have the we have the PI there, and we have another uh, a lot of opportunities, uh, or, or a lot of business opportunities there, and a lot of, of actually good training too. But then when we make camp, uh, we understand that we need to make the sacrifice to be away from home. And and that's why we love it. I mean, just here is is full camp. Like we we train, we eat, we rest. We train, we eat, we rest. We train, we eat, we rest. That's the only thing we do, like three times daily. So uh, yeah, I mean, every time I fight, I'm gonna be here with with James. Oh, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Now I, I do want to ask you a little bit about the upcoming fight, and especially about Francis Marshall. But before I do. I'm a guy who who likes to hear a good nickname story. Do you mind telling me how you became the Pitbull when that became your nickname? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I I've been in the game for a long time. Like, uh, and Latin Americans, we only just fight like like crazy people. And when when I start this, uh, I, I was about to, every time I train, like I get mad. Like every time I spar, I was just like really hard, like like a fucking dog. Like uh, with I, I don't give a fuck about anything. Like I was training with my boxing coach, who, whose name, who, my former boxing coach, my, one of the first one. Uh, people call him Tyson. He go, he, he weighed like two twenty, and he got like fifteen fights, fourteen knockouts in first round. Like he was the, really Tyson. Like like fuck that. Uh, and every time I went with him, I, I went hard as fuck because I was a pit bull. Uh, and he put me the pit bull because that's the reason. I get mad and just uh, just fight and fight hard. 
And then I start to realize it like, yeah, when I'm fighting, I'm trying to do, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a mad dog, like catch your neck and, and that's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, uh, let's talk about the next chance you're going to get for that because you're fighting Francis Marshall, a guy who is, you know, considerably younger than the average UFC fighter. He's very young. He just got his chance off of the Contender Series. I was wondering if you got a chance to watch him on the Contender Series. And if so, what did you think of Francis Marshall? Yeah, for sure. I watch him. Uh, we've been here. We've been studying him uh, every fight. Um, we've been watching him. I know he's a young kid. He's gonna be hungry. Uh, um, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. For sure, he's gonna try to take me down. Cause these motherfuckers all trying to take me down. Cause they don't want to stand and bang. I know. I understand. But I am a showman. I like to get people what he deserves. Get people what what they pay for. But yeah, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting match for me. And I, I know you said, uh, I, I know you said in the past too that you hate that people keep trying to turn it into wrestling matches with you. I, I know before the Kyler no, Phillips I fight, mean, you, you said you didn't want a wrestling match with him. You wanted to throw hands. Is it upsetting that the UFC keeps giving you guys who like to wrestle? No, no, no. I mean, uh, that fight, the, the, the Kyler, the Kyler Phillips uh, matchup. Uh, it was a bad decision for me when when I was fighting him. I realized that there's level to this shit. Like man, he's so fucking good. Like for sure, he's ten ten in the world. But at the time I he, we fight, uh, yeah, I mean he he's ten in the world and I didn't realize about levels. And after that, I talked to James and I said, bro, I know I made a mistake. I didn't need to take this fight. But we are from Latin America. We we are not used to that. For example, most of my losses are like, hey, you want to fight here? Uh, Two-week notice. Yeah, of course. Hey, you want to fight in Russia? Yeah, of course. Hey, you want to fight in Brazil? And then we realize that, uh, no, we can't still do that because there are levels to this shit. And if you want to keep it like like winning or or just you need to train, you need to study, you need to do the shit that that you need to do. uh, and yeah, we we've been working on Marshall. Actually, they offered me, I don't know, like a lot of fights before, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But James told me and say, hey, stop it. And you've been working with me for two months. I need I need to work with you more time. Uh, be patient, and we're gonna get it. Don't worry. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're the coach. You're right. <laughs> I need to take it slow, and and yeah, let's do whatever you say, coach. Okay, so now that he's finally letting the dog off the chain, now that he's finally giving you a chance to get back in there, give me a prediction. How do you see this one ended with Francis Marshall on December 3rd? I mean, I'm going to win. I don't know the way. Maybe I'm going to submit him. Uh, but for sure, I'm going to hit him hard. Uh, this is this needs to be, for me, my best performance. I don't give a fuck about what's going to happen, but this is going to be my best performance ever. I'm I'm preparing really hard for that, and I'm I'm ready to enjoy this. I mean, I'm enjoying the process. I'm loving it, and being in the UFC is amazing for a Latin American fighter. From Argentina, we're only five people, and it it takes me a lot of time to be there, a lot of of, of traveling, a lot of uh, sacrifices to make. I leave my house. Uh, I I live in Mexico, and now I live in the US. I'm alone here. All my people is in Argentina. So I didn't see him from a lot of time. So I'm really excited and just living the dream of a fighter. 
Well, we are looking forward to seeing that very best performance out of you. Once again, fans, this has been Marcelo Rojo, who fights Francis Marshall at UFC Orlando. That fight, once again, is on December 3rd. Marcelo, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No, thank you, Dan. Thank you, and for you guys to, to keep growing this sport like that, it's amazing for us. Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Marcelo Rojo. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. No UFC this past weekend, but we did have some major MMA with the PFL and perhaps, as some pundits are calling it, one of the biggest upsets of all time in terms of Kayla Harrison losing to Larissa Pacheco. What are your thoughts on the claims that that might be the biggest MMA upset of all time? Yeah, I'm going to call that a bunch of malarkey. A bunch of hooey. It's not the biggest upset of all time, in my humble opinion. And maybe my UFC bias is going to show here, but it took place in the PFL. Uh, You know, I need for the biggest upset of all time, I need all the world to be watching. And I love the PFL. I love that it's an alternative. I love what they're doing. But the whole world was not necessarily watching that. And I just don't know that the fighters are as fleshed out as they are in the UFC. And what I mean by that is they're not all facing like the toughest competition that's in the UFC. That's where, you know, what fighters truly are. I mean, listen, I had to sit there for years and years as people told me, Ben Askren was one of the best in the world. And I take nothing away from Ben Askren's grappling or some of what he accomplished in the MMA. But when he got to the UFC, he got exposed for what he was. That's what the UFC is. It's a pressure cooker. It's the truth. It shows you what people are. I don't know what Kayla Harrison truly is. I mean, I think I do, more or less. I think she'd do fine in the UFC. But she's not like she's not Anderson Silva in her prime. This is not the biggest upset of all time. And also, just like Ronda, she's uh, you know coming as a, a specialist in one discipline. We just, you know, that's what she relied on, and we see what happens with those types of people. So, again, for me, no, not the biggest upset of all time. How about you? Yeah, I I agree with you on on all of those points, and I'm I'm actually going to add one, too. So, the PFL thing is clear for me. Not just our our fighters not all the way fleshed out and maybe not fighting the best in the world, but it's also a weird schedule, right? They fight a ton of times in a very short period of time. So, yeah, I, I think that, of course, has to detract a little bit from the upset. Number two, you know, to your point, she she wasn't somebody who we thought of this like well-rounded perfect fighter who was untouchable we we thought she was going to keep winning and keep winning in the pfl but everybody asked like what would happen if she fought a boxer like cyborg what would happen if she fought you know somebody like amanda nunez who's not going to let her grappler like we already had those questions about her we learned the answer to it and, and it's not all that great so yeah first of all those two things are clear and then i'll add in this other piece too here is she fought pacheco twice and didn't dominate her. She won. She won clearly in both those fights. But she went to decision. You know, a, a lot of people saw all those Kayla Harrison fights, the early finishes, the submissions, the even the TKOs. Like, whatever it is she did to win in those early fights, for sure, she was dominating. But she's fought her for eight rounds before these three. So now 13 rounds. And it never looked like Pacheco didn't belong in there with her. So, like, to, to imagine that Pacheco had no chance to turn two or three rounds around on her, I, I think was silly. So, yeah, at the end of the day, was it shocking? Sure. I picked I picked Kayla Harrison to win, and I would again. But biggest upset of all time, not even fucking close. Not even fucking close. Well, I'll tell you what is fucking close, and it's the main event to UFC Orlando this weekend, and we're going to break that all down in our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays for UFC Orlando. But Gumby, before we get into it, give a couple of fights we like, 
couple of dogs to play, a couple of parlays to play. One may wonder if any fine company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jujitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. All right. Fun main event here. Kevin Holland, a minus 140 favorite to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, a plus 120 dog. Holland coming off a brutal destruction at the hands of Kamzat Chimiev. Uh, fight only lasted two minutes and 13 seconds. He submitted to Kamzat's Darce. Before that, he actually had a Darce win himself over Tim Means and beat Alex Oliveira via TKO before that. So, his two-fight win streak was stopped by Kamzat, now looking to get back on the winning side against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's a tough puzzle piece for many people to figure out, but he's on a two-fight losing streak right now to Gilbert Burns and Balil Muhammad. I don't want to live in a world where Stephen Wonderboy Thompson has three losses in a row. He's been fighting in the UFC here for 10 years, and the career is right now at a crossroads. Does he maybe have one foot out? I don't know. But he's a dog here. Who you got? You know, I'm actually going to go with the dog, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, in this fight. And and here's why. So many people have been pointing out his last two losses, right? He, he looked bad against Gilbert Burns. He looked bad against uh, Balil Muhammad. But the thing about Gilbert Burns and Balil Muhammad is those are two guys who are phenomenal at wrestling. I mean, we just watched Balil Muhammad stuff Sean Brady a bunch of times with his wrestling. So, like, how are we going to go out there and say that, like, you know, either of those two aren't the top-of-the-line grapplers? And Wonder Boy got out grappled by some good grapplers. He's still at the top of his game in his striking. His striking is still Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson level striking. And Kevin Holland is not gonna out wrestle you. You know, like like you said, he is, did pick up that Darius choke win, but it was over Tim Means, a guy who also you know kind of wants to strike with you. You know, shot kind of a uh, not so good takedown, was maybe already woozy from the striking. And yeah, Kevin Holland has got hands. Kevin Holland's good on the feet. I just don't think Kevin Holland is as crafty as Wonderboy, even in Wonderboy in his advanced age, because he is getting up there. I, I still think Wonderboy's got enough in the tank to ru- run this one back. Give me Wonderboy here at a big plus number. Ooh, I like it. All right, let's go then to another uh, fun fight, which takes uh, is between, I should say, is between two fighters we know very well, Brian Barberena, plus 420 dog. He's a friend of the show. Kind of an everyman, everyone's favorite underdog, but a big underdog here to RDA, a minus 540 favorite. RDA's been doing the damn thing since 2008, so we just saw Frankie Edgar retire. I believe Frankie debuted in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that, but it was right around that time. RDA still here, a 540 favorite. It's his 33rd UFC fight, for crying out loud. He's coming off a KO, KO loss to Raphael Fiziev here, but he's feeling good as a Five to one favorite. Who are you taking? So, yeah, this one's interesting to see uh, Dos Anjos decide to go back to welterweight. Uh, you know, kind of a weird one for me. But Brian Barberena's kind of been doing the Legends Tour, right? That's what he's he's kind of wanted and he's getting right here because he coming off of that win over Matt Brown. Uh, he, he winds up with this pretty exciting fight. And I'll tell you this. I get why the line is where it is. I, I think this it does clearly favor Rafael Dos Anjos. I think the fact that Brian Barberena had trouble with like Jason Witt's wrestling way back when certainly gives me pause and I don't want to pick him. So I am going to say gun to my head, take Rafael Dos Anjos. But if you really don't think there's any value in Brian Barberena at over four to one, 
I think you're crazy because as you just saw with that Matt Brown fight, the dude can sling it. The dude looks good when he is on his feet. I am a little bit worried that RDA is just not going to let him implement that game plan. But, you know, like he's a live dog at that number. Uh, but gun to my head, yeah, I'm picking RDA here. You know, this next fight at heavyweight, uh, this has main event of a fight night written all over it to me. Um, this is a really fun fight. Sergey Pavlovich is coming off a huge TKO victory over Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, the perennial gatekeeper of the heavyweight division. They threw uh, Lewis at Pavlovich, and Pavlovich TKO'd Lewis in the first round uh, 55 seconds into the contest. Crazy, crazy. This was back in July at UFC uh, 277. He's on a four-fight win streak in the UFC. His last loss was to Alistair Overeem all the way back in November of 2018. And fighting Tai Tuivasa, who's coming off a loss himself to Cyril Gain. Uh, Gain went on to, uh, or I apologize, Gain KO'd him. And before that, Tuivasa had strung together a five-fight win streak himself with wins over the aforementioned Derek Lewis in there as well. These are two future title challengers, potentially, a uh, very fun fight, and Pavlovich, the minus one eighty favorite, but Ty always a live live dog at plus one fifty five. Who you got? Yeah, you you mentioned Ty Tuivasa live dog. I'm gonna pick him here as a live dog. First of all, I think Pavlovich is a better boxer. I think Pavlovich might even possibly hit harder sometimes. But the thing about Ty Tuivasa is he his chin is a difference maker at heavyweight. You saw in that fight with Surreal Gain, it doesn't matter how hard Surreal Gain was hitting him, that dude was still standing. That dude was still throwing. And I would say this, when he steps back and throws, when you think you have him at his worst, he's got you. He's got you right where he wants you because he almost knocked out Surreal Gain exactly that way by Surreal Gain thinking he had him, backing him down, throwing a little bit recklessly. All he's got to do is return a big one. And while I think Pavlovich is very good, He's got great power. He's very strong. His boxing's technical. I think he's less technical and less safe than Surreal Gain, and I think that's what's going to cost him here. Our dog of the week, Roman Deladze, a plus 134 over Jack Hermanson. Break it down. Yeah, so I think Deladze is only coming in here as an underdog because he's short notice. He looks so good over his last few fights. Um, and the thing about Jack Hermanson is Jack Hermanson has looked a little bit like a uh, fish out of water if he can't get you down. Lately, uh, you know, he's looked really good on the mat. Sometimes he's looked kind of suspect on the feet, especially in that Sean Strickland fight. So that really worries me here in a fight against the Leedsy, who is if you get him in a clinch, he's been finishing people. He's been phenomenal in the clinch. Ask Kyle Dawkins. It went so bad for him in the clinch against the Leedsy and ask Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes met the same fate. So it's a big step up for the uh, and it is on short notice a little bit, but I think you know, just the fact that the styles clash the way they do. I like Delizzi here. Our parlay to play, and this goes to show you what an incredible card this is because you have a lot of talented fighters here. Our parlay to play is taking Nico Price at minus 140 and Kyle Dawkins at minus 200. Pair that together, though, and it gets you plus 150. Plus, whoa, easy for me to say. It gets you plus 157 odds. Let's hear it. Yeah, so first of all, Eric Anders against Kyle Dawkins here. I love Kyle Dawkins in this spot. His grappling, just super high level. It looked like he was going to... Um, 
you know, have, have no problems with Kevin Holland in that fight, although there was a head clash in that fight. But his grappling just looks so high level right now. He's doing great things with his Doris choke. And Eric Anders has kind of entered into a realm where it, it feels like he's kind of lost his way on his feet. He came in as this, like, amazing power puncher. Now he's fighting a little bit more safe. It seems like he's lost the best of both worlds. Uh, I think Dawkins just gets it done with the grappling pretty easily. And then I like Nico Price in this spot against Phil Rowe because... I know people are big on Phil Rowe, but from the most of what I've seen of him, he seems kind of lost if he's not on the mat as well. Um, and I think he's going to have a tough time getting it there with Nico Price. Nico Price is a huge dude for that division, and he's just an absolute agent of chaos. He's the type of guy who can knock you out at any given moment. I think that's a really bad recipe for for Phil or uh, Phil Rowe rather to be fighting here. So let's put those two together and get some plus money. Boom. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We sure enjoyed uh, breaking it down for you. Let us know on our Twitter at, or on our IG, at Top Turtle MMA, did we do you right? Did we do you dirty with these picks? Gumby, we're having fun. Where do we? What do we go to next? All right, we're going to transition now to my interview with downtown TJ Brown, who is getting ready for his fight, not this weekend at UFC uh, Vegas, or UFC Orlando, rather, but he is getting ready for a fight next weekend at the pay-per-view UFC 282, and he's bringing all of Arkansas with him. Let him tell you a little bit how he's going to do that right now. All right, and joining me today is TJ Brown, who fights Eric Silva at UFC 262. That fight is on December 10th. So, TJ, before we get started talking about the Eric Silva fight, I wanted to talk about your last fight, your last fight with Shai Yulong. I, I saw a picture of you guys heading out of the arena. He's sitting on a gurney. He's sitting on a stretcher. You're sitting there looking yeah. like you're untouched. I, obviously, you know, the, it's frustrating to see a decision go that way and knowing that you're the much healthier of the fighter. Is that frustrating right. for you on the way out? Uh, of course. You know, I I definitely uh, landed more uh, and, and gave more damage, you know, for sure. But, you know, uh, one thing I got complacent on bottom and, just wasn't uh, wasn't in, uh, in enough hurry, you know. I was attacking from bottom, but sometimes, uh, like in the third, I probably spent a little too much time on bottom, and that could have swayed the judges. So I'm just looking at it as, man, there's things I could have done better than that fight, and I've adjusted since then, and I'm ready for the next one. And, and is that something that you, you immediately went back and worked on? Was it that you felt like it was a uh, mindset thing about getting up faster, or did you feel like th there were some skills to, to it that you needed to go back and, and fix? Definitely a, a mental thing, you know, just uh, definitely a mental thing. Just uh, can't wait to press on the gas. You know, I just pressed, I pressed the gas, but I, I pressed it too late, you know. So, and, and when you're in fights, you you got to be on it, you know, for 15 minutes, every second of the of the 15 minutes. Absolutely. And I know that I, I've heard a lot from Glory fighters that their coaching staff talks to them about what a ref sees. Is, is that something that you and the coaching staff has talked about since that fight? Uh, say it again. I'm sorry. It, so, so I know I've heard from a lot of glory fighters that the coaching staff actually talks to them about what judges see and how judges score things and, and stuff like that. Is that something you've talked about since then with your coaching staff? For sure. You know, I've definitely heard uh, James uh, talk about optics, you know, and which is what you're, you're speaking of, you know, how the judges are seeing it. And we have to remember a human is judging, you know, so. Uh, we got to look how things, uh, how they look from their their point of view, and 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 doing things properly so that 
we are getting the nod from the judges. So, yeah, it was something we talked about before and, and just uh, drilled back in afterwards to, to make sure and, and drilled it through. And it just won't be a mistake that happens again. That's awesome to hear. Now, I, I do want to ask, too, because it, it seems like, you know, after getting that opponent who seemingly just wanted to wrestle you as much as possible, it seems like the UFC is giving you another type of fighter who wants to do a very similar thing. And if you look back at your record, too, it's not like it's not just those two fighters, too. You know, Charles Rose is a guy who, you know, wants to just grapple for the large part of things. Do you feel like you're constantly being fed guys with with that kind of game? Plan? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. I've really, I haven't really thought of it like that, you know. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this guy, uh, you know, uh, once he does get on the ground, he's gonna want to grapple me. You know, I think uh, there's levels to this game, and and to say that this guy's anywhere near the the level to my last opponent, just looking at the record, you know. Uh, but you know, I've really seen it like that, you know. But uh, uh, come as they may, man, we're we're gonna we're gonna go to work either way. Well, that's great to hear that you haven't seen it that way because it, it does seem like it's that way. So I'm curious, too, <laughs> now that you've had a chance to think about it, is it frustrating? Do you wish you had, you know, more opponents that, that would just go in there and, and bang with you or maybe want people that, you know, would, would sit on their heels and want you to wrestle them? Like, it, it, is it something that yeah. now that you've thought a little bit about it, you, you prefer a different fight style? Um. You know, I like to think I like to see myself as uh, very balanced. You know, uh, so so I should be able to handle this anywhere the fight goes. You know, and or impose my will to the point that I can put the put this fight where I want it to be and following in my direction. So, uh, man, I'm just going forward. You know, I, I'm I'm just going to make sure to implement will, and uh, no matter what comes, I'll be able to. Do I like that mentality quite a bit. Now you mentioned. That, that Silva is a guy who you feel like is not in the same same boat as you and your past opponents. He's he's not a guy at that same level. What have you seen from him that you feel like is, is your biggest strength over him and in, in why he lags behind you and, and some of your past opponents? Yeah, so, I, you know, the, the first thing that stands out to me is just experience. You know, I uh, you just look at who he's fought. You know, he hasn't really fought anybody and. You know, I think experience is going to be the biggest difference maker in this fight. You know, you're going to see a, a huge change in the tide if it makes it that long till uh, after that first round. You know, we'll, we'll we'll see what he's made of then. You know, because you know these, these who he's fighting now. I'm gonna I'm gonna welcome him to the UFC. You know, like these is uh, there's just levels to this, and uh, I'm excited to show everybody that, that that's the case. That's awesome to hear. Now, I, I want to ask, too, about the arena before we get to the, the end of talking Ooh, about this fight, too. Because, yes, it's an arena. You are fighting in an arena man, for the first time since uh, since UFC 252, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been over two years since you fought in a big arena in front of a ton of people. Yeah. Uh, tell tell me, what does it feel like to have that that coming up in just a couple weeks? You know, you got to remember, you know, it's, this is this is part of the reason I do it. You know, I I love to be under the lights. You know, I I enjoy that that atmosphere. That 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 I just it's electric. You know, when you when you got the right uh, arena, and it, it's one of the reasons I do it, man. And so uh, I'm just excited to be in T-Mobile, man. Get get those uh, get that energy back again. Get in there and just perform, man. I, I love performing, and and uh, that's what I plan on doing in, in front of a packed uh, T-Mobile arena. And, and out of curiosity, do you have a bunch of bunch of Arkansas coming out to see you? Dude. A bunch of Little Rock coming out to see you, man. 
dude, you you guys are gonna be blown away by the support that's coming to Vegas, man. Like uh, I'm hearing left and right, people are, are coming out to woodwork, you know, coming to this fight. So Arkansas will definitely be in the house. All right, well that's great to hear. Now I, I do uh, usually like to get a prediction on my fighters, but before I do, there is one other thing I usually like to ask about, and that is. I like hearing stories of where fighters' nicknames come from. And, you know, you just hinted a little bit at the fact that you like fighting under the big lights. You like being, you know, the the guy in front of everybody. Is, is that where downtown comes from in the T.J. Brown? Uh, man, let, let's just say I probably spent a little too much time downtown in the downtown <laughs> area at one point in time. <laughs> no, uh, but, but seriously, uh, uh there was this uh, this female fighter, man. She she boxed. She's a pro boxer at one of the gyms I went to, and uh, she came in one day and she was like, "What's up downtown, Jay Brown?" You know, and uh, it just kind of stuck ever since then, man. And so I guess she's kind of the originator of the name. I love it. I love it. All right, so let's get to the thing that everybody cares the most about, and that is this fight. I usually like to get a prediction out of fighters. How do you see this one ending? Uh, come December tenth. Uh, knockout. End of the first, beginning of the second. All right, well, you're here to hear first, folks. This has been TJ Brown, who fights Eric Silva at UFC 262 from the T-Mobile Arena on December 10th. TJ, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, the Picket Social Betting Platform and Maroon Social. And as a reminder, you can check us out on social media at Top Turtle MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. And until next week, I'm Dave Gibby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.